My name is Megan Moten. I am here today talking to Command Sergeant Major retired Edwin Donald Moten, otherwise known as my dad. So just recap, you've enlisted in the army and you've gone through your basic training and your first few years. Can you tell me about some mentors or teachers who impacted that time in your life? I like the idea of the army. I like the camaraderie. I like the opportunity it offered to me, but I just didn't like my job. Mm -hmm. And because I could choose from this large list, plethora of options, two criterions, I wanted to get a bonus and I wanted to ride whatever job I got. The chemical operations specialist was at the top of the list. Back then it was like $16,000. And I think I did it for like six years because I was at Fort Campbell at that time. And man, I got beat down by even the brigade sergeant major at the time, the battalion sergeant major, my first sergeant, my tomb sergeant. They all were like, oh, that's a terrible opportunity. You'll never make sergeant major. You'll never have a future. See, see those guys, they never made it past sergeant first class. And you're talking to a guy with three years in the Army as an E-5. I didn't think I was going to stay in long enough or make it to be a staff sergeant or a sergeant or, or, or a sergeant first class. But there was one sage man at the time, Bernard Williams, sergeant major. He was a first sergeant and he got selected sergeant major. He said, brother, I'm a Vietnam vet. I've been in the Army 29 years. In order for me to stay this long, you have to like what I did. If you don't like the infantry, then find something you like. And then if you like it, stay as long as you can because it's not a bad life. So of all the noise of Bernard Williams, that I'll never forget that. That was the best advice. So immediately after that, I went as fast as I could to sign the reenlistment papers. And I got a chance to go to Germany too on top of it. So I was like, yay. And magically, that's where I met your mom. <laughs> so the army... Even as a young guy, I saw the beauty in the Army, not just the, the fact of you get to go to foreign countries, you get to experience different lives, you meet different people all the time, you move, but is there some stability about the Army and some nobility as well about protecting America? So I always felt that tight connection. Your mom and I think, say this when we were younger, the Army helped us establish not just a family, but you know, if you look around our house, the army made it possible for us to have that. It made it possible to have three children. It made it possible for us to explore the lives that we have and have this really big foundation of experience. In the early years were difficult, you know, not just because of the rank, but we both were working, we had young kids, and there's really not a book that says, how do you raise young kids in the, in the army lifestyle? You experienced it yourself, you know, um, the, the moves, the different houses, the different schools. It was very difficult, but there was a support that I always felt like we as a family were pretty tight. There's very few things in my life that I would want to do over because 97, 98% of it was, was great. I really feel that way. And I always felt like the decisions we made were in the best interest of all five of us. Well, uh, since you brought up your bride, uh, as a follow-up question, do you feel, um, or how do you feel it affected uh, your relationship that both of you were service members? Do you feel like that um, gave you some advantage or hindered in any way? 
I, I would answer that two ways. Number one, I, it, it's easier that she understands the stress and the unfortunate ugliness of the army, the jealousy, the professional um, envy. Um, so, I mean, I, I wanted to support her, but I, you know, it was a happy day for me that when she got out, because I knew that military couples struggle because there's two th- it uh, strikes against them. Number one, you're able to have a little bit more sustainability because you have dual income. Many families don't, but the, the negative is that you spend equal amount of time away from your children. So both of you go away versus just uh, one. I was very happy for her service and I thought that was great. That's how we met you know, in Germany. But I, I tell you, the second side is I hated that she had to go through the same BS that I was dealing with. I guess pulling back a little bit and looking at, at as a whole, um, what do you consider some of your greatest career accomplishments? My three greatest accomplishments are DJ, I'll call him Ronnie. I know he likes James and you, Megan. I think the number one thing that I tout all the time is not what I did professionally, but what I did personally. The fact that all three of you graduated with no debt. I think that is a feather in your mother and my cap. I, I, I'm very proud of that. I'm proud to tell the world that, whether they want to hear it or not. My second probably is the fact that we're, we have cultivated a 35-year marriage, your mom and I, and uh, she is my best friend too, and my sounding board. And, you know, being married to somebody you, you love and being able to share your inner thoughts and secrets is really something that not everybody can do. So I'm, I feel very honored by that. And the third thing is also personal. I'm the only one in my family um, that graduated from college, different route than my five siblings. I didn't um, stay in California. The sense of adventure and wanting to prove myself uh, drove the train for me. Um, I don't stand on top of a mountain saying I made it. I think I'm this, I'm that. I just believe that I never allowed myself to think that I wasn't good enough to do something. I I just said, you know, if that's something I really want to try, I'm going to work my best and see how it turns out. And I really felt like that's the kind of life that I had uh, as a young guy, the life I had as a soldier. But I tell you, my post-military life, I never imagined that we'd have the quality of life that we have now. I never imagined that uh, we'd have the life that we have. So I feel very honored, but very humbled because um, all those people who paved the way for me and made this happen for me. My best accomplishments were not about the military and definitely not um, professional. Uh, You know, I did my best, but it was a job that I got compensated for. I did my best because I wanted to prove myself. But more importantly, I did my best because I think um, I wanted to do my dad proud. I wanted to do my family proud. I wanted to do my nuclear family. Um, and of course, I wanted uh, Karen to appreciate the best that I can give to her. And I kind of like still do that. I still think about that now. I mean, we got a, I have a 35-month post-military life plan. So we're going to be full-time retired. And I'm still thinking of ways that we could build this uh, uh, airplane a little bit better. I was very honored to be a, a, a command sergeant major in the United States Army. I mean, that's only 0.2% of the forces at that rank. 
and you're talking millions of people. So I understand that. But I do understand it's just a job. It's not who you are. It's not, you know, I, I get tickled when my former soldier, soldiers still call me CSM on email or sergeant major when I talk to them. And I giggle about it, but it's not who I am. It was a job. So I hope so, that answered your question. Absolutely, it does. Um, and so it seems like this answers itself, but uh, you did not set out to serve 30 plus years in the army. Oh, no, 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 no. I think the turning point was um, in my mind, even though I was, I probably didn't know it yet, was meeting your mom. And then when DJ was born, the army provided a better safety net. They gave us healthcare, dental care, um, housing, and they paid okay. So I was good till seven years. And then at the seven year mark, we're at Fort Bragg and I made staff sergeant and I realized, hey, I only have five years in the army and I'm a staff sergeant. I must be pretty good at this. And then James came along. And then when you came along, it was like, it just made sense. I was being very, uh, I'm not trying to be too um, boastful, but I was good at what I was doing. I was getting recognized. And as I, I told you before, in the army, more rank you get means more money, which means we got more care and we're able to do more for you guys. And so I think I learned somewhere, your mom and I was somewhere, and somebody asked me, how long are you going to stay in the Army? And I remember my answer was, as long as I could. And uh, I never expected that was going to be the full ride of 30 years, or I was thinking more 20. But I think what the Army does when you become senior, you, it gives you instant gratification from your leader development. I could put all my time and energy into a particular soldier, a particular leader, and immediately see results. And then I can do another and then another. And then you start putting your print on an organization. And, you know, back in the old days when I was a brand new first sergeant, they used to call it, you know, your first sergeant Moten's boys. And I used to get a little bit offended by that. But then that's a term of endearment. I'm a R.C. Burnell boy. And so I'm good with that. I, I saw the difference I was making. It was pretty exciting too. I'm not going to lie to you. When you did finally decide it was time to get out of the army, what was that process like for you? It sucked. I could tell you the exact day that I knew that it was time for me to get out of the army. I had 29 years and six months, seven months, seven months. And we went on an eight mile run. And when I finished both my knees were just, my left knee in particular, and my right foot was just, it was really, really hurting. So I'd normally take some 800 milligram Motrin, put an ice pack on my knee, elevate my foot. It didn't get better. Usually the pain would subside. And so I realized this is a young man's game and I had to make a decision. But what helped me the most, and I love telling this story, what helped me the most is that as I tried to get uh, higher level positions. I did three or four or five and I got turned down in all five. So the best thing that happened to me was that I didn't get a nominative job because it helped me decide. Yeah, let's see. And so as I was getting ready to transition, uh, I remember talking to your mom about this. I knew it was time, but I wanted to hang just for a little bit longer. 
So one of my good friends today, he was a mass sergeant and then a sergeant major in the army, and he retired before me about a year or so. I remember him coming to Fort Hood and uh, we're having lunch together, and he said, so uh, you're going to get out, right? And I was like, yeah, yeah. So what are you going to do? Hmm, good question. I think I need to unwind, take about six months, and then Karen and I'll figure it out. And he goes, tell you what, when you're ready, come talk to me. And I said, what does that mean? You'll see. So once we decided that on, it was like, I think the 14th of June of 2011, we had the ceremony, it was a Friday, and then we were going to go to San Antonio and spend the weekend. That Thursday, or actually that Tuesday at the farewell dinner, he called me that, that afternoon and said, hey man, so this is what I want you to do. I'm going to send you some email. You look it over and tell me if it's interesting to you. And I'm like, what are you talking about? He goes, you'll see. Click. So I kind of forgot because I had the farewell. So I'm scribbling some notes I want to say. That Wednesday, I opened the email and it was a job offer. So I knew that getting out at this time was the perfect time because they're going to create this position, not just for me, but for somebody who has my skill set. And I happen to be that guy. So um, you know, I had surgery that following Monday after we were in San Antonio. It might have been Tuesday. I don't really remember. But then I had like a four-month, uh, actually a three-month uh, rehab. And so I'm out of the Army, but not really. And I started my new job uh, in September um, while still on the Army rolls. But, you know, if you're enlisted, you can do a little double dipping for three months or whatever it was. So having a gig made that whole process work better. So, I mean, I knew exactly what I was, was, I was getting myself into. So it made the decision much easier too. After officially being done, not having to put the uniform on anymore, being, you know, free man, what were those first few months of retirement like for you? I missed the camaraderie. I missed the close relationships I had with key leaders. I uh, mourned um, the loss of those tight relationships. Because I knew that wasn't going to exist anymore. Um, the one thing about the military, when you have uh, you have this tight camaraderie, whether you deploy or not, is that you know you're supposed to be in the zone that you're going to cover each other no matter what. And it's almost like walking out from a, a theater that's all dark. The show is over. The lights come on. You walk out. And then the door closes behind you. And you're the only one standing there. Um, you went from being in this really group, this group to not really knowing. And, and you mourn that. But I also was like, yeah, all those assholes I never have to talk to again. All those jerks who put obstacles in my way, I never have to see again. And then when I do, I'll just smile at them. Man, it turned out pretty good for me. You know, there's a lot of people who, uh, and, and not a lot, but there were some people who were not my fans. And so they put up obstacles you know there's some some on um racial uh, i'm not gonna lie discriminatory they didn't like a, a, a minority guy marrying a white woman uh, most of the time we were in the south and you can imagine that you lived it too so you know a little bit what i'm saying but and i don't really put my thumb up at them i think the best way you deal with that is with humility and a smile i mean my career turned out pretty good i did a lot of firsts and, and I was pretty happy about that. But it's because all those people who set the conditions for me, who 
mentored and coached me. Like I mentioned, uh, Uncle Bernie, Richard Burns in Germany looked out for us very tightly. And as a command sergeant major, Joe Brock, who was in um, that unit that doesn't exist called Delta Force, he was one of my primary mentors as a sergeant, as a sergeant major because he saw good in me and he tried to help. The, the thing that I haven't really said about my life that I um, I wish I had spent more time with my parents. I wish I could have uh, heard stories about my mom when she was a young woman. I know it was tough growing up uh, when your family ostracized you and the only person you can depend on is your husband and he's on the road driving six days a week. Um, it must have been a lonely life. I wish I could have talked to her about that. Um, but I never doubted that she was proud of me. I never doubted that she loved me. I mean, she would just light up when I was around and it made my heart swell with pride. Um, she loved meeting you guys. She loved the fact that I had a family. She loved that I was not only trying to be the best father, but I found a, a occupation that I could excel at. And I think that's what made her the, the most happiest. My dad, on the other hand, was not a talker. I, I probably told you this before. He never said, I love you to me. But I never doubted his love. His love was that generation of kick you in the ass when you're down so that'll get you up. Um, didn't realize it doesn't really work that way. But I don't, I don't think that mattered to him. He knew that his youngest boy was going to make the most of himself because all his friends would tell him that, you know. Watch out for Donnie. I think that boy's going to be somebody. And that always made me feel, feel very prideful to hear it from his friends. When I talk to accomplishments, I, I, I mean that, you know, it's my professional life. I rarely talk about the army anymore because it really doesn't. I mean, it was just a gig. My post army life is great. I never imagined it was going to be like this. So I want to share it. I really like this idea of this oral history. Let me just also talk about great moments in my life. I remember a day in March of, uh, I think it was, uh, let's see, 18 March of um we got a baby girl and i remember um that being one of the greatest days of my life you know and that in itself is an accomplishment you know a, a, a dad who gets a daughter and blessed with a daughter it's a very very uh sentimental and emotional thing and as i get older i find myself uh being much more emotional and sentimental than ever. And I, I kind of like it, you know, not like the Hallmark movies like it. I mean, it's just like, yeah. When DJ was born and James was born, you feel like Mufasa of the Lion King, you know, your, your chest all stuck out. Yeah, I'm the man. But when you have a daughter, you really feel like a knight in shining armor because you have to be the protector. And it's a completely different feeling. I mean, those three events were among the highest accomplishments. I think also having the opportunity to give back to others, um, whether it's the boys club, I didn't really mention that. And they were fundamentally uh, responsible for me getting interested in sports and me learning about the interaction with people, how, you know, they had a dignity class. I'm laughing about it now, but it really was, we would sit around in, in the gym and the counselors would talk to you about how to be respectful to people. You know, you're eight, nine years old and you should be learning this in the house, but it got reinforced at the boys club. 
And I'm gladly donate as often as I can to them. And so, yeah, those, I always, I always think of the great moments of my life and it has nothing to do with the army, but it has everything to do with the appreciation of the relationships I have with people who took time to make me a better person. I say this often, I could not imagine my post-military life. I mean, <laughs> it is wonderful. I'm very proud and happy for this opportunity, but I never thought it was going to be like this, you know. And so I'm very grateful. And that's probably the best uh, the, the description and definitely the best adjective for it. Last question then that I have is, uh, what's next? Yeah, I, I mentioned just briefly, I have this 35-day countdown, 35-month, excuse me, countdown. I want to experience the world. I want your mom and I to get in the RV and drive to Austin. I want us to um, drive to Seattle or drive to Eugene to a home game and watch the Ducks and enjoy the journey both ways. In May, we're going to go to Ventura, our favorite spot, To I take a lot of pictures of that beach. It's so funny in your comments. You don't even like the water. Hell, I don't have to like it to, to watch it. It's so calm. I owe that to your mom. You know, It's on both of our bucket lists. And we have this RV. And now we, you know, you know, we got our little toad to pull behind it. And it's, I, I foresee um, some very good RV trips. You know, I wanted to go to Yosemite, but I didn't really want to rent a car. So now I don't have to, you know, and Sequoia National Forest is right there. So that's a week, a week or two trip. You know, I owe it to expand my knowledge of this great country. And I just, you know, you drive on the interstate and you see, man, that looks pretty cool. Or that looks cool. But now we're going to be able to take that exit and go check it out for ourselves. And I'm very excited about that. I want to be able to turn this idea that we're building so that everywhere along the route, we run into people and we have a conversation with them. I want to be a conduit to people who can learn two basic things. One is humility and one is compassion. I want to help as much as I can. I want to be just a friend, a genuine friend. You know, it doesn't mean always giving money. Sometimes all they want is your time, your ear. They want to hear your opinion. And it's not yelling at people. I understand that I'm very, very blessed, very, very fortunate, very, very honored. People who have looked out for me, you know. So post-Army, I had no idea that there were people who thought of me the way that they've expressed it in the opportunities they provided for me. So um, what's next? I think I want this idea that we're building to be the conduit that drives my life at the post-military. So we'll talk about two couple interviews a week, a month, excuse me, not a week. And then we do the history of it and then we get prepared for it. And that's what my task is. And then inside, we're going to sandwich some RV trips. And then I'm probably going to ride my fat tire bike around town. And I'm telling you, I am at a good place in my life. You know, when you're a little kid and you're laying in the sand of Southern California and it's nighttime, you can see the stars and the counselor says to you, where do you imagine your life being? I never imagined this. I promise you, I never imagined this. So I'm very humble, but... I'm excited about the future. I love the fact that we got three dogs and four cats. I love the fact that uh, 
your mom doesn't have to work unless she wants to. I love that, that that's the opportunity for the life that we have. And so, yeah, your, your dad is one of the most grateful human beings that walks on this earth who knows that a lot of people provided the, the foundation for my opportunities that I have now. And I'm going to give back as much as I can, as long as I can. Thank you.